everybody here. So it's uh, January 7 where I am in Sydney, Australia, but it's uh, January 6 in the United States. And so most of my news subscriptions are to American sources like the LA Times, New York Times, Washington Post, and all these sources are preoccupied with, with the question of uh, did or how much did the January 6 riots on Capitol Hill threaten our democracy? And apparently it's just the conventional wisdom by a ruling class that these January 6 Capitol Hill riots like deeply, deeply threatened our, our democracy. And I think that's nonsense. All right. <laughs> okay. Cut, cut it out. So, as opposed to almost everyone in my chat room, I think the January 6 riots were a horrible thing. All right? We're, we're an absolute disaster. So, so compared, to, compared to people who, who watch me or, or read me, I am far harsher on the January 6 riots. I want all the January 6 I didn't think it was uh, particularly funny, even at the time. I think it was, it was a disaster. I'm a law and order type, type of guy, right? So I want rioters, whether they're on the left or the right, who destroy public property and who disrupt uh, public events. I want them to all to be prosecuted, whether they're on the right or the left. So I want Black Lives Matter rioters who committed criminal acts prosecuted. I want Antifa rioters committed public uh, disorder and, and broke the law. I want them prosecuted. I want the January 6th rioters prosecuted. I want... Uh, you know, any any group that is causing you know massive disruption through illegal means and destroying public property, I want them all prosecuted. Right? So I want the I want the January sixth rioters prosecuted as much as I want the Black Lives Matter rioters prosecuted. So I've never been in favor of the January sixth riots. Right? I've always thought they were a disaster. But they didn't threaten democracy. Right? Why would the January sixth riots threaten democracy? Uh, any more than all those disruptions in Wisconsin when Scott Walker was governor and left-wing and union agitators occupied the state capitol and tried to make it as difficult as possible to do the business of government. So I, I do think that there are probably a lot of things that, that threaten democracy. To me, uh, the, the threat posed by the January 6th Capitol Hill riots to our democracy is infinitesimal because the problem got dealt with in a few hours and everyone played a role in it is going to pay a, a big price so the, the January 6th capital rioters are all getting prosecuted so I'm not I'm not concerned about that I just don't see how that threatens our democracy because the people who did it have been dealt with and precedents have been set and people who are in favor of that in the public space they they've dealt with enormous repercussions so I do think you can argue there are a lot of things that threaten our democracy, such as the dramatic decline in social trust and social cohesion. Right? There's been a dramatic decline in social trust and social cohesion in the United States and in the United Kingdom over the past 60 years. That is huge because that is very, very, very difficult to rebuild. So I'm walking around Sydney and I'm not seeing any of the examples of social decohesion and distrust that I see on an epidemic level in, in Los Angeles. So in Sydney, if someone accidentally bumps into you, it's not a cause for a beatdown, generally speaking. But in, in Los Angeles, there are certain groups who are just 
you know, eager to go to war, eager to fight, and you, you make one step wrong, and uh, you're going to get beat. Like, there's no polar bear hunting in Sydney, as far as I'm aware. Right? White people are not getting, you know, hunted down by roving packs of ewes to just get a beat down. Uh, to me, that's a major threat to our democracy, that we no longer share the same moral universe as our fellow citizens, right? We no longer share a sense of what's right and wrong. That is a threat to our democracy, that the conservative or the right-wing perspective on all sorts of issues is not allowed to be shared on social media, such as Facebook or, or Twitter, not allowed to share, for example, the conservative opinion on transsexuals, right? I, I'm not sure I'm, I'm even allowed to say what that right-wing opinion is, but uh, let's just say it's not super positive, right? You're not even allowed to share that on, on Facebook and Twitter and, and YouTube. So I think you can make a good case that that threatens democracy, that one political point of view is not allowed to be shared on, on social media. But it's the decline in social trust and social cohesion. And people who study social trust and social cohesion see that it's generally in opposition to diversity. Right? Generally speaking, the more diversity, the less people trust each other. Now, that's just a very broad view. So there are certain types of diversity that don't dramatically decrease social trust, but there are other types of diversity that do dramatically decrease social trust. So crime, right? crime destroys social trust. So particularly like a good Samaritan who stops to help someone who's broken down by the side of the road and then is murdered, right? That, that sort of thing just kills social trust. So I think our enormous crime rates in the United States far more of a threat to our democracy than the January 6th rioters. And then Black Lives Matter, right? They had riots for weeks, disrupting the lives of millions and millions of people. And Black Lives Matter rioters and Antifa rioters, generally speaking, haven't been punished for their law-breaking activity. So in the United States, we increasingly have these protected groups. So depending on the context, in some contexts it's blacks, in some contexts it's gays, in some contexts it's Jews or, or Muslims or transsexuals or homosexuals. Right? Depending on the context, we have certain protected groups who you're not allowed to publicly criticize. And to me, that's an enormous threat to our social cohesion and our social trust because we, we have destroyed the level playing field. I am so dramatically improved by accurate criticism. Right? Every group, every individual is improved by accurate criticism. And the idea that certain groups and certain individuals, because they've got a quote-unquote protected status, cannot be criticized that that somehow is good for society or, or even good for those protected groups is absurd. So the designation of protected groups that you can't criticize and that you have to take, you know, employ different rules for, that, I think, destroys democracy. There are no employers who don't want to employ certain protected groups because it's so difficult to then fire them. Uh, we no longer have as much freedom of association and, and freedom of speech that we used to have. We, we've replaced, as Christopher Cordwell points out, the original constitution with the civil rights constitution. So now you have to employ, you have to rent to, you have to you know, accommodate all sorts of groups, even if that's not your individual preference. So the, this destruction of social coherence and social trust by saying, oh, you can't discriminate in who you rent to or you can't discriminate in who you employ means 
that employers and landlords can no longer have as much trust with their employees and their renters, right? That seems to me that's a destruction of social trust, social coherence, and is a major threat to American democracy. If it weren't for the summer of love, the honoring of St. Saint George Floyd, my view of January 6th would probably be way closer to the left's framing. Hmm. Well, it's, I don't think it's terribly complicated. Most people on the right are for law and order, right? If you, if you truly support law and order, you don't just support it when it's employed against your political enemies, right? You have to support law and order, I would think, across the board. What's up with Baked Alaska? Is he in legal jeopardy? Yeah, I think he's in legal jeopardy. So the, the increasing uh, rights that are extended to, to transsexuals and how disruptive that can be in, in the public space, right? I think that is, is an example of, of uh, destruction of social trust and social coherence. Right? It's very, very hard to change people. Right? This is Edward Banfield writing in 1958. There is no evidence that the ethos of a people can be changed according to plan. Right? This goes for the dramatic civil rights changes with regard to different races, with regard to women, with regard to homosexuals and the transsexuals. This, this trying to dramatically change an ethos of a people, that doesn't work and it destroys social coherence and social trust. Is one thing to engineer consent by the techniques of mass manipulation, which don't work anyway. Right? To change a people's fundamental view of the world is a different thing, especially if the change is in the direction of a more complicated and demanding morality. And that's what we have now with the, the you know, ever more intrusive implications of the civil rights revolution, you know, designating more and more groups as protected and therefore must be accorded special privileges. Right? I, I think that destroy social trust and with it uh, democracy right that we can no longer discipline kids in school because certain groups were disciplined more than other groups why would we expect all groups in school to be disciplined equally right so just look at kids all right I, i'm a convert to judaism and let me just say that uh, jewish infants jewish children are far more rambunctious than the children of uh, northern europeans that i grew up around Right? And Japanese children are even more restrained on better behavior than children of Northern Europeans. So definitely some groups are more extroverted than other groups. Some groups are more lively than other groups. Some groups have more testosterone than other groups. Some groups are more uh, physically confrontational than other groups. So why on earth would you expect that crime rates would be equal among all groups, that uh, school discipline would be equal among all groups? Obviously, uh, boys, you would expect to be more lively, all right? What, one of the fundamental differences between men and women is that uh, men tend to be much more physically confrontational, right? Men much more likely to resort to violence. So a man is about 10 times more likely to, to murder you than a woman. So there are obvious differences between the sexes and there are differences between different groups. Uh, much of it comes down to testosterone levels, uh, much of it comes down to, say, qualities of extroversion, and uh, much of it comes down to how much are you willing to sacrifice today for future reward, All right? So because discipline, school discipline, because uh, law enforcement discipline, 
results in unequal arrest levels between groups. Uh, therefore, we're now trashing law enforcement and trashing school discipline. That seems to me to be a major threat to democracy. Luke, you remember the name of that left-wing girl you interviewed who turned out to be pretending to be black? Uh, it'll, it'll come to me. Yeah. She was uh, transgender and also transracial. So... To laugh at someone who's transgender, that's, that's off the board, right? You, you can't do that. But we are currently allowed to race it, laugh at people who, who try to be transracial. So why do so many people try to be transracial? Because we've set up a society in America where affirmative action is accepted. And so people get all sorts of privileges based on, on the color of their skin, based on their race. That seems to me that's a, a threat to democracy. Right, that seems affirmative action seems to be much more of a threat to democracy than the January 6th riots. How could how could uh, citizens feel at ease with that, knowing that certain groups were favored, would receive preferences in in hiring or in getting government contracts? Right, how is that going to solidify social trust, social cohesion, and and democracy? Right. Also, so many questions have been taken outside of the realm of democracy. Right. So. We had the Black Lives Matter riots running wild in the USA. Most people didn't approve of that, but there was very little crackdown because Black Lives Matter, this terrorist group, was considered you know, protected. Right? And so you had all these Fortune 500 companies you know, pouring in money into this terrorist movement, Black Lives Matter. And this group and its, its uh, riots would just run wild, causing you know, billions and billions of dollars of property damage, disrupting tens of millions of lives, making millions of people feel unsafe, you know, dramatically, dramatically increasing crime levels, particularly murder levels. Since, since George Floyd was arrested, like overall murder levels in the U.S. have dropped about 20%, when normally, normally you would expect uh, murder levels to drop about 3% a year because of improvements in technology. So I'm walking around Sydney and I see increasingly, you know, so many things are under surveillance that there's, you know, live camera footage in public sp spaces, you would expect that would significantly reduce murder rates and other crime rates. Instead, we're having a dramatic murder surge and a dramatic uh, surge in other types of crime. Also, because we have provided all these incentives for the police not to do their jobs, we have a dramatic increase in traffic deaths, in driving deaths, and in pedestrian deaths. Because when you don't allow discipline, people behave in a less disciplined fashion and certain groups um, are much more rambunctious than, than other groups, right? The, the, there's the cliche about Asian drivers that they drive very slowly and carefully. You, you think, to the extent that that, uh, that cliche is true, you think that only applies to, to driving? No, it also applies to the way people conduct themselves sexually, the way people conduct themselves in business, all right? Some groups are much more circumspect than other groups. Some groups are much more careful than other groups, right? Some groups take uh, conception and sexuality much more seriously than, than other groups. So I'm just reading an essay on a website, I'm1776.com, and here's a great line from it. It is not that a critical mass of Americans was persuaded to support abortion, gay marriage, or Black Lives Matter. These were victories delivered by judicial fiat or mass intimidation. You don't think that threatens democracy? That all sorts of hot-button controversial issues have been removed from public discussion 
that only one side can be presented in social media and that these issues have been removed from the vote, that essentially we have mass intimidation or judicial fiat deciding all sorts of hot-button issues that Americans are incredibly divided over. You don't think that threatens democracy? Right? You've got Antifa and Black Lives Matter riots running wild in America with very little pushback. Right? That tens of millions of Americans had their lives disrupted and there was no payback for, for those groups. You don't think that threatens democracy, that you see certain groups can behave in a criminal manner. You can have certain terrorist groups like Antifa and Black Lives Matter and they get massive funding. Right? They get massive support and they're essentially immune from law enforcement prosecution. Let me, let me not exaggerate that. Compared to, say, if these were Trump voters, right? they receive much less uh, law enforcement uh, discipline and, and arrests and, and prosecution. So the people who disrupted the Donald Trump inauguration in 2016, virtually none of them faced any prosecution because the, the prosecutors in Washington, D.C. just decided to let them off the hook because they were on the left protesting Donald Trump. So we have George Soros wielding his power very effectively. And uh, people who think like George Soros, they've managed to elect all sorts of DAs who are not really interested in enforcing the law. And so that's part of the reason we have this massive crime wave because of George Soros-supported DAs in Los Angeles and San Francisco and Philadelphia throughout the U.S., the left playing that part of the political game much more effectively than the right. Like, what, why doesn't the right pay attention to district attorney races? But we have these district attorneys in Los Angeles and San Francisco who are not interested in enforcing uh, many types of law. And so we have... Uh, Threat, theft running wild, we have murder rates skyrocketing, we have millions of Americans feel increasingly unsafe and under threat because we have politically and racially motivated law enforcement that doesn't want to prosecute certain crimes because certain groups commit a disproportionate number of the crimes and so, you know, we send enough quote-unquote young black men to prison or, you know, whatever the, the protected group de jour is of, of the day. So, yeah, the name of the left-wing girl I interviewed who turned out to be pretending to be black, uh, non-colloquial. And turned out to be a well-off Italian chick. Abortion laws were settled by elected officials in Norway. So no other country has the social division and culture war over abortion that the United States has. And in, in part, that's because abortion law was taken away from elected officials in the United States and was essentially decided by judicial fiat. So you don't think that threatens our democracy? Right. Most Americans, I would suspect, would prefer a different immigration policy over the last 60 years. So wages for construction workers, uh, wages for people who didn't graduate high school have essentially stayed flat since about 1960, because we've had massive amounts of immigration, right? We get to decide our wage levels by how much immigration we allow. So the United States has allowed in massive immigration that has destroyed wages for quote-unquote unskilled workers. And it's also damaged, damaged uh, wages as you keep you know, moving up in the degree of skills. Because the United States has not been interested in enforcing immigration law. The United States has not been interested in protecting its borders. That's massively distorted our economy. 
and distorted the ability of, of you know, ordinary Americans to make a living, to get married, and to have children. Right? You don't think that threatens our democracy? That uh, the people have not been really given a choice? That uh, essentially both Republicans and Democrats have taken immigration off the table? And uh, so people haven't had an opportunity really to vote for immigration enforcement. You don't think that that threatens democracy? Like we have all these laws on the books that are not enforced, such as immigration and, and laws against theft and uh, laws against you know, criminal, criminal rioting. I mean, it seems that... Uh, not enforcing our immigration laws, allowing Black Lives Matter and Antifa to, to run wild, I'd see that as threatening democracy. And it's not diversity in and of itself necessarily that threatens democracy. Some types of diversity threaten social trust and cohesion more than others. All right, so de declaring certain groups as protected Right, that is always going to you know, destroy social trust. If, if we're not on a, operating on a living level playing field, then uh, people are going to you know, increasingly disengage from public life and have increasing distrust of their fellow citizens, which is exactly what we have seen over the past 60 years. So, so diversity and social trust, uh, they, they do generally seem to be intention, but we can't forget that there are certain components that affect th this social trust and social cohesion much more than others. So it's not, it's not inherently like the percentage of blacks or the percentage of Jews or the percentage of Muslims that's going to destroy social cohesion or, or, or social trust. It's, you know, what are, the, what are the incentives that are operating in the society? So in the United States, prior to the 1960s, minority groups were heavily incentivized to never <clears throat> speak publicly or to be seen acting publicly in ways that were to the detriment of the majority. All right? But since the rise of multiculturalism and uh, the celebration of ethnic diversity in the 1960s, now it's increasingly cool for, for different racial religious groups to proclaim that they're putting the interests of their group ahead of the general welfare. All right? That is going to negatively affect democracy. All right? That's going to negatively affect social cohesion and, and social trust. So you had a, an explosion of yeshivas all right, in, during World War II and the Vietnam War so that Jewish kids who didn't want to serve in the armed forces, who wanted to escape the draft, they would just sign up to train to become rabbis. All right? That sort of manipulating the system, that destroys social trust and, and social cohesion. And uh, it's not just... You know, it's not just Jews, it's not just Muslims, it's not just blacks, it's not just you know, homosexuals. It's, it's what are the incentives that are operating, right? So when you extend more freedom, right, sometimes you extend more freedom to individuals and to groups and they abuse that freedom, right? They, you know, their crime rate massively increases, their social destruction rate massively increases, you know, their use of drugs and alcohol massively increases. So, for example... After the Civil Rights Revolution in the mid-1960s, the, the crime rate just shot up. So you think, oh, we're finally extending civil rights to, to African Americans. You know, now that's going to create a calming effect. But no, it created an explosion in crime. 
you had the Watts riots, you had riots in Detroit, you had all these you know, murder-filled, massively destructive riots after the civil rights legislation. So you extend liberty and civil rights, and then certain members of the, the group that is getting those civil liberties and rights, you know, a segment of that group then massively misbehaves in a way that they probably would not have if they hadn't been extended that extra, that extra privilege, those, those new rights, uh, that, that new protected status. So I've been uh, rereading Middlemarch, and I think uh, uh, Dorothea Brook tells Mr. Kasorban that he's doing the right thing in subsidizing and paying for his, his uh, second cousin, Will Ladislaw, to you know, go to Europe to explore instead of settling down in a profession. And uh, I think Dorothea Brooks says something to the effect that, you know, you will give him freedom, and then whether he abuses it or uses it profitably, that's up to him. You're just giving him the opportunity. So sometimes when you extend freedom to a group, extend more rights or protected status, they abuse it. Sometimes they don't abuse it, right? It's not, it's not a universal reaction. Uh, think about a very restrictive way that China deals with Muslims and the very discriminatory way that India deals with, with Muslims. So uh, India and China have relatively very low rates of Muslim terrorism. So it's possible that if India and China started treating their Muslims better, that uh, prosperity would flourish and you know, peace and freedom would break out. On the other hand, extending you know, new rights and protections to minorities can result frequently in an explosion of violence, in an explosion of terror, in an explosion of dysfunctional behavior. Right, so people on the conservatives love to scream, freedom! Ted Cruz, remember he did that rant, freedom! Well, sometimes some individuals and some groups use freedom profitably, but just as often individuals and groups use freedom destructively. Like for a lot of people and for a lot of groups, more freedom is the very opposite of what they need. After we had the massive extension of civil rights protections to homosexuals and the, the ending of laws against homosexual behavior, then you had the AIDS epidemic. You had an explosion of of AIDS, which was primarily transmitted by unprotected anal sex, you know, between blokes, but between men. So you had an increase in rights and protections to, to homosexuals, and then a segment of the homosexual community, you know, then went wild. 